Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are you? Here in the United States, it is currently Memorial Day, which means that we're not in the office today. So I was going to play a rerun, but I thought maybe we'd try something a little different. Uh, Some of you may know that a couple of years ago, I used to host a show with Ariel Kasten called Business on the Brink, and we covered businesses that had kind of a pivotal moment where either they made some choices that got them out of severe trouble or they descended into chaos. And it was a fun series to do. We did it for a couple of years, and I thought it would be great to play one of those episodes today. So what you're about to hear is a Business on the Brink episode, which originally published on July 29th, 2019. It is called Chilling Out with the Coolest Cooler. And I hope you enjoy. Ryan Grepper was sure he knew how to beat the heat with an innovative approach to the old beach standby. 
the drinks cooler. He added some bells and whistles, updating the frosty concept with some techie bonus features. To get things moving, he launched a crowdfunding campaign that was incredibly successful and earned a lot of ice, but soon found out that manufacturing a new product isn't easy. And the whole process ended up leaving a lot of early supporters out in the cold. This is the coolest cooler on the brink. Hey guys, I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Ariel Kasten. And thank you, Bill Jeffers, for giving us this awesome suggestion. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, one that I have covered on my show Tech Stuff a little bit. I did an episode uh, about some of crowdfunding's biggest successes and failures. And spoiler alert, Coolest Cooler falls into the latter category. Yeah, sadly. Sadly, because I think the concept is really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to be saying cool a lot and not meaning it in a punny way. Yeah. But not, if you want to interpret it as a pun, feel free. Yes. Uh, but no, I. if I were not so thrifty, I was about to say cheap, but I'm going to say thrifty, mm-hmm. I would have 100% wanted to back this product. A lot of people did. Lots of people backed this product, so much so that, uh, not to skip ahead too much, but it would become one of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns mm-hmm. in history. Uh, we'll get to that. But as it turns out, as as we alluded to in the introduction, things did not go smoothly. And it was largely, I think, due to innocent naivete. It was a yeah. lot of of, of underestimating exactly how hard it is to mass produce a brand new product. I'd have to agree with you, Jonathan. Uh, So let's get into a little bit of how this product came about, this Coolest Cooler. Uh, It was launched in 2013 by Ryan Grepper from Portland, Oregon. He used to be a medical sales rep, uh, and he was a self-described inventor since 2006, which is, I I believe, around the time that this— product started taking form. Mm-hmm. He's also, um, he's still listed as a member of the CNBC Tech Crowd Council, yeah, which is made up of people who have done a successful crowdfunding campaigns. Mm. Yeah. Yes, his campaign was successful Yes, for the crowdfunding uh, part. I, I was kind of surprised to see him still on there, but yeah. it, it, spoiler alert, guys, Cool's Cooler is still around. Yeah, so. but Ryan Grepper's uh, reputation has taken an enormous beating in the process. Yeah. So, so his idea initially started off as a pair of ideas before it merged into Transformer like what the Coolest Cooler would be, right? Yeah, he tried to make a portable blender f- from a weed whacker, <laughs> and then he made a cooler with a car stereo in it. Uh, and then after he made these these initial prototypes, he was like, well, I need to make them smaller so I can bring them places. Yeah. And he got the inspiration that if he made it smaller, he could sell it. Uh, and his idea was for the cooler to be a place where people gather to have all the things that make a space somewhere you'd want to hang out. Mm-hmm. And according to CNBC, his early experiments to – compile all these things together didn't work so well. Yeah, I just have this um, uh, in my imagination. Now I know this isn't what it actually looked like. But in my imagination, you have like an igloo uh, style cooler with Mm -hmm. a car stereo duct taped onto it. Like that's how I imagine these early versions being. That's how I'd do it. (laughs) Just just saying. But the whole idea was – you know, you've been to plenty of parties. You've hosted parties. Mm-hmm. You know as well as I do that 
often a central gathering point for a party ends up being the kitchen. Yeah. It's it's kind of – it's where the food is. It's where the drinks are. People tend to hover there. And then uh, sooner or later, a party kind of just it, – it, it's centered there. It might spin off in other places. Yeah. So this was kind of the same yeah. concept was that if you have all of these elements in a cooler – and you're outdoors, the cooler becomes kind of the central focal point for the party. Yeah, and he had an initial setup for the cooler, but by the end of his Kickstarter campaigns, plural, uh, his cooler, his coolest cooler, would include a USB charging station, a blender for crushing ice, a waterproof Bluetooth speaker, mm-hmm. waterproof Bluetooth speaker, yes, an LED light for the lid, uh, dinnerware and storage for it, a cutting board, a bottle opener, all-terrain wheels, like a bungee cord thingy, mm-hmm. and a little hiding spot for your keys and phone. Yeah. Also, it was a 55-quart cooler. Yeah. It, it would be uh, kind of ridiculous if he made this cooler with all these bells and whistles that didn't actually keep your beverages it, cold. It, it reminds me of the trend. It was before even smartwatches, but the trend where watches were including more and more features, and mm-hmm. the standard joke was, what's the time? And then the person was like, Time? The, yeah, exactly. That was yeah. that was a that was a that's a longstanding joke in technology. You've seen it in like, you know, comic strips and things like mm-hmm. that. Same sort of thing. Like if you had ended up with a coolest cooler that couldn't actually keep food cold, that would be ridiculous. So he initially launched a crowdfunding campaign in November 2013, and he was targeting a specific kind of of market. He was thinking about uh, people who liked tailgating, and mm-hmm. he was timing it to go along with the holiday Christmas uh, shopping uh, uh, season. I mean, you think that would be a smart move, right? Yeah, but uh, it turns out it didn't. It didn't quite pan out. He did not make his goal on that. No. Yeah, he he was seeking a hundred twenty five thousand dollars, and he ultimately raised. Uh, well, the campaign met 102,000 from 279 backers. But uh, the way Kickstarter works is it's an all or nothing proposal. You either make your goal or you get and you get whatever you make plus over or you make nothing at all. Mm -hmm. So if you have a goal of $50,000 and you only hit $20,000, nobody gets charged, no money changes hands and your campaign fails. Uh, If you make 50,000, then everyone gets charged however much they pledged. You get your $50,000 minus Kickstarter's cut, which I think is 5% of the actual money earned. Yeah. Uh, And if it makes more than $50,000, then you get more than what you had set as your goal. Uh, Kickstarter obviously has a strong incentive to promote the, uh, the, the campaigns that are doing well. Like if there's a lot of buzz, it makes a lot of sense for Kickstarter to kind of put those closer yeah, to the front page. That's more of a commission they get. Exactly, yeah. So if it's a really successful one, then Kickstarter gets a bigger cut because, I mean, it's still 5%, but it's 5% of a much larger number. Yeah. And uh, so that first one didn't work out so well, but the second Kickstarter campaign was a different story. Yeah, his second campaign launched on July 8th of 2014. He set a smaller goal, $50,000. <laughs> Which, I, just from the get-go, that seems problematic to me. If you need $250 to create your coolers, don't set a lower goal so you meet your goal. Unless you're 
specifically thinking I'm going to start with a very small uh, shipment. Yeah. Like if you if you still kept the price point for your cooler at the same level, but you thought uh, I'll make a smaller batch, mm-hmm. then that might work out. But as it turns out, that's not what happened. No, no. So first I, I want to say it shows you how small Ryan was thinking because at his cheapest donation amount, $5, you got a thanks and the promise of having your name written on Ryan's personal cooler. Mm-hmm. A 55-quart cooler can only hold so many names. Yeah. Unless you're like one of those grain of rice writers. Yeah. And even then. Um, and then the highest level, if you donated $2,000 or more, Ryan would come be your personal bartender for an event in your hometown mm-hmm. and give you one of the first coolers. So, and, and he would sign that one and he'd have plenty yeah. of space. Yeah. And – so you look at this and you go, obviously, he was thinking he'd get a moderate amount of backers, 280 or so, like his first campaign, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more because he can't travel to that many people's hometowns. And, and he, he had earned more than $100,000 had the campaign succeeded in the previous example. So even if he got twice as many, uh, you know, you're still thinking, all right, 100000 maybe $200,000. That's more or less on what he you know, on par with what he was looking at for the first time through. Yeah. So he was he was thinking, let's try this, and he he decided to launch it at a different time of year. Yeah, because he was yeah. looking at the summer. He was launching it right around uh, you know just after the Fourth of July weekend. You're talking about prime uh, beach going, outdoor grilling kind of of uh, time frame here. It's when people are going outside and doing these activities where they need to have a big cooler or, with them. Or wanting a cooler they can crawl into and hide from the hot Georgia summer. Yeah, especially, yeah. Once you get into yeah. the heat and humidity here, you're, you're looking for <laughs> any relief available. Yeah. Uh, he estimated that the final retail cost of the coolest cooler, this is from the Kickstarter page, which, by the way, is still – it's still something you can visit. You can go and check out the Kickstarter page for this uh, this particular campaign. Yep. Kickstarter keeps them all – it's no longer there active. There are certain but, parts of the page you cannot uh, access unless you have donated to Yes, it, there, there are messages that go out just to backers. So if you yeah. are a backer, you have access to those. But the public-facing page is still available. So he estimated that the final retail cost for the coolest cooler was going to be $299. Uh, so $300 for a cooler seems like a hefty price tag. But as it, it turns out, it was also an underestimation of how much he would need to charge for that particular uh, invention. I, I do want to say I went online and I did a little bit of research. Some super high-end, super large coolers do cost hundreds of dollars. Oh, yeah. So it's not a completely unreasonable price. It's more than I probably would want to pay for a cooler. Yeah. Oh, and but, I mean, like, so <laughs> there are products that cater to people who have way more money than you and I do mm-hmm. and not very much idea of what to spend it on. I'll put it that way. Uh, that's that was not very to, kind. <laughs> it's not to say that those those products are no good or that they're only marginally better than, say, a a, a decent cooler would run you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There, some of them may be truly incredible and be much more efficient at managing, you know, heat and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. But uh, he also on that campaign had an offer where if you were one of the first 50 people to pledge, you could pledge $165 and get a reserved coolest cooler of your own. Uh, those 50 slots disappeared 
almost immediately. No surprise. Yeah. Well, One, 150 for a cooler is a lot more palatable. Yeah. So then uh, because they went so fast and because the West Coast had not even had an opportunity to look at it because the, the campaign went live before most people on the West Coast of the United States had even woken up, he decided to release another group, this time just 20 slots for more early bird coolers. And those went super fast too. The next amount you could pledge, let's say you missed out on those 70, which wouldn't be a big surprise. I mean, they did go super fast. Mm -hmm. Your next option would be to pledge at a level of $185 or more. And that would put you on the reservation list for your own coolest cooler. So again, you're still you're still looking at um, $115 off the, the projected retail price. Yeah. Uh, you would then also have to kick in $15 for shipping, which would, you could argue, push the the price tag for the coolest cooler to $200. And that's how most websites refer to it. Like yeah. It was a $200 cooler. Yeah. Still not still not horrible. Still a pretty big discount. Um, I, I think it was so popular because he took lessons that he learned from his first Kickstarter mm-hmm. and, and really marketed the second one well. He reached out to previous backers and enthusiasts through email. He hit up social media, and he did live events all prior to actually launching this campaign. Mm -hmm. So anybody who is already excited about it would then be excited at their friends about it. Yeah, they would tell people, oh, you know, I tried to back this last time. It didn't work out. You guys should get in on this because think how incredible this is going to be. And then it worked because some news outlets, mostly local ones, were starting to pick it up. And this would increase as the campaign would launch. And in fact, it would turn into a frenzy when the campaign was starting to get truly successful. Yeah. Yeah. So it it became a, a self-perpetuating cycle, right? Because the campaign started picking up steam. It was getting a lot of backers. That in turn was notable enough to get the attention of the media that hadn't already covered this, which brought even more people to back it. So it started to kind of become a a spinning boulder down the hill situation. Well, and it became a spinning boulder quickly. It beat its goal in four days. Within four days, it had made $3.2 million. Yeah, that's a lot more than $50,000. And a whole lot. And by the end of the two-month campaign, it had raised $13,285,226 from over 60,000 backers. And once it beat out Pebble's watch as the most successful Kickstarter of all time at that time, Yeah, it got a ton more press coverage. Time Magazine even named it one of the best inventions of 2014. Yeah. They did this in 2014. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was before, before this had really even had a chance to prove itself. And so then uh, they began to to work on finalizing the actual design of the product. See, now they got the money mm-hmm. to go into the process of making the thing. Yeah, and they worked with uh, Studio Fathom to get their prototype out, which had 55 parts in it. Um, and this is so that Time Magazine could photograph it for the article. Yeah, it's hard to take pictures of a thing that's largely theoretical. Yeah, I, I mean, they had pictures of the original design of the cooler, but this was redesigned. Yeah. So... Um, and and through all this, so he has a successful campaign. Uh, Ryan thought he had planned appropriately for supply and logistics ahead of time. He thought he had sourcing partners in place based on the money that he made. And he was so optimistic that he figured, uh, unlike 75% of crowdfunding campaigns that face delays, he would be able to avoid them. Yeah, he was wrong. And Yeah, he was wrong. <laughs> he, he had planned on starting to deliver coolers by February 2015. 
But if you know anything about this story, you know that was far too optimistic. And if you don't know anything about this story, we'll tell you about it. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so Grepper has this crowdfunding campaign. It is monumentally successful. It mm-hmm. has an enormous following. Lots of enthusiastic backers who just can't wait to get their hands on this cooler that can do everything 
uh, 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 that you can imagine and be prepared to live their best beach-clad lives. The cooler cannot do everything you could imagine. I don't think it could walk a puppy for you. Nor could it actually transport you to the beach, but just about everything just else about it everything could else. do. Yeah, you're right. So what happened? Well, he immediately started to encounter issues in manufacturing. And this is a good time to remember that manufacturing's got a lot of moving pieces, right? Mm-hmm. You've got your whole supply chain. Now, it's one thing if you're making a relatively simple product where the supply chain is is pretty linear, where, you know, you, you've got – you get the raw materials from one place. It goes into a manufacturing facility. It then goes into the shipping department of that facility, and then it goes out to customers. That's really simple. But the coolest cooler had a lot of different parts to it. It had these speakers. It had the USB charging uh, uh, outlets. It had – A you motor know, for the blender. Yeah, it's got all these different parts and they were coming from different places, which means if there's a delay in any part of that supply chain, it delays the overall product. And there was. So the the manufacturing facility in China that made the blender motor, which – there was one place that he sourced for this, one place only. He had no backups because his specifications for this blender motor were so high. He no. wanted it to be really good production. Yeah. Um, they went on strike. And yeah. so it stopped his entire his entire line of assembly, which also took a really long time yeah. because they had 55 parts, a lot of which had to be hand-assembled. Now, if you've ever looked at a Coolest Cooler online, like if you've gone to Amazon, where you can still see Coolest Coolers uh, listed, although if you want one of the classic ones, uh, typically you're looking at buying it from a reseller. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, you'll see that there are a couple different configurations. There's one version of the Coolest Cooler that has a regular top, doesn't have the blender part, and it's significantly cheaper than the one that comes with the blender. Well, the one that was on the Kickstarter page, the one that the backers backed, specifically mentioned that the blender was part of it. Mm-hmm. So that was a big issue with the the supply chain for the blender motor all all uh, uh, screwed up. It really put him behind. But even still, he was estimating that by September, mm-hmm. by September, he could get everybody their coolers. And, and that did not happen either. No, not at all. Um Everything was a lot more expensive than he anticipated. Yeah. So that final retail price turned out to be too low. And in fact, he said this over and over again. He said one of the biggest problems he had was that he had underestimated how expensive it would be to produce these coolers. And that uh, it was an issue where if you did the math, there was no way around it. You were going to lose money. Mm-hmm. on those Kickstarter orders. Like there was – this was beyond selling things at cost where you're just covering the expense of the materials and labor to put to the product together. Now you're actually taking a bath on those sales. Yeah. And uh, I mean it does not take a, a, a business major to tell you that you can't stay in business that way. You, mm-hmm. You're bleeding money being in business. You cannot – You can't make it up in volume. That's just going to bleed you out faster. Yeah. So this is where he had to start figuring out, what do I do about this? Well, he had another idea that, again, kind of makes sense, but also made a lot of people angry. He decided to sell his cooler on Amazon Mm -hmm. because that way he could sell it at a higher price than what he listed on Kickstarter Mm -hmm. and make some profit on the coolers and then use that money – on, on making and shipping these individual coolers to people 
to get all of the coolers for all of the Kickstarter people to them. Yeah. Uh, because he didn't have the money to do it. Yeah. So essentially this was uh, – the reason this caused such a, a fuss is that the people who were backing it on Kickstarter uh, – I can't speak for everybody, but I notice in general – that a lot of people act like Kickstarter is an early access store. Mm -hmm. That's not what Kickstarter is. No, you're an investor in an idea. Yeah, and you sometimes investments don't pay off. I mean, we've done plenty of episodes of The Brink where that has turned out to be yeah. true. You've backed some some uh, campaigns that didn't. Let's not go pay into off. my personal history <laughs> and how many watches I have backed that never came out. But the campaigns were successful. Yes, they were. I. I think there are three uh, different watch campaigns I backed that did not I, ever ship. I think that just makes you an expert on the topic, Jonathan. But the, again, I did it knowing that there was the possibility that somewhere down the line something like this could happen mm -hmm. where I'm giving – I'm pledging money to a business that I hope succeeds. But there are a lot of factors out there that don't have anything to do with the sincerity of the business owner that can uh, sink – a business, right? Yeah. You also have people out there who are disingenuous, who are snake oil salesmen, who they're selling an idea, but they don't have any any intention of seeing yeah. it through. I never got the feeling that Grepper was one of those people. No, no. I really think he just lacked the business knowledge to set this up to be su successful yeah. or as successful as it was. Maybe if he had the low numbers that he expected – and the money that he he was originally estimating for, he would have done fine. Yeah, maybe he could have ramped up slowly and and grown more uh, organically. But the crazy success and the amazing amount of attention that was directed toward his campaign really was an albatross around his neck. Yeah. And so the whole goal of any business-oriented Kickstarter campaign is to have – usually at least – to have a sustainable business – on the other side of it, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole goal of Coolest Cooler, that campaign wasn't just to ship out coolers to backers. It was to create a viable business where he would be selling these coolers to other retailers. Yes. And that the people who backed it, their reward for backing it would be getting a cooler at a discounted price. Mm -hmm. The problem was that unless he was selling them at this higher markup at these retailers, he wouldn't have the money to cover sending out those those backer coolers yeah. to the backers. So I, the backers are upset because the thing that they've been waiting for is not coming to their to their house when they expected it and somebody else who didn't back the campaign could in theory go out and order one and get one ahead of them. Yeah, in 2 weeks or uh, or a couple of days. Yeah. Uh you have a note here and I think it's true that a big part of the issue was communication. Mm -hmm. There are there are notes and there are comments about we haven't heard anything. And so they did do a live stream to say, look, you guys, we need 15 million more dollars than we expected. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get it through selling coolers so that we can get you your rewards. Yeah. They and they did. They sent out some rewards early on and it just it got too big for them. Well, so. and and that also ended up being an issue. Like there was no good way for Grepper to get out of this mm -mm. because he owed something like 60,000 people these coolers and he could only do them in batches. And so what would happen is you would send out you would have this company sending out 
coolers to backers in these smaller batches. But the media focus was on how many people were still waiting for yeah. a cooler. It wasn't saying coolest cooler has made good on you know, 10,000 of the the pledges and is working hard to get the other 50,000. It was, instead it was 50,000 people are still waiting for their coolers, which wasn't doing him or his company any favors. Mm -hmm. So again, like, yes, the mistake was his. We're not going to lift all responsibility off of him and say like he was a victim in all of this. But at the same time, I think the way it unfolded it was pretty much a worst-case scenario for him to have yeah. to deal with on top of all just the production headaches he had. Yeah. Well, he does – He does. I don't know if it's victim-blaming or a little bit of shaming, but he he has been noted to say that he thinks part of what has delayed him so long is that when he put the coolers on Amazon, all of these backers went on and made these horrible reviews because yeah. they were upset they didn't have their coolers. And he's like, guys – you're shooting yourself in the foot here. Yeah, it's it's just delaying when I can get enough money to make good on the promise I've made you. But then again, if I were said, hey, if you pay $97, we'll get you your cooler quicker, then you're paying the quote-unquote retail price for the cooler, at which point. Yeah, so that was something else that came up I'd was that he, he said one solution to the problem they had was that if you were a backer and you wanted your cooler faster, you could get it by – uh, giving an extra $97 to the company that would make up enough of the difference for him to be able to put those people on a priority list and they would yeah. get their coolers faster. But you didn't have to do that. Like, again, the way a lot of news outlets reported this, it sounded like if you don't cough up the $97, you're never going to get your cooler. That wasn't the case. It was if you want your cooler now, you have to pay almost an extra $100. If you are patient, you can wait. And it may take a while, but at I, least in theory, you'll eventually get it. I wonder if some of those news outlets reporting it were – the reporters maybe had backed it and were feeling a little sore. I mean um, – I Probably not. It was – it was it's very easy to get the the idea that – the company was bleeding backers mm-hmm. dry. But again, the more I look into it, the less I feel like that's the case and the more I feel like I agree. there was no good pathway out of this this hole. Okay, so after all this, they started shipping in July of 2015. More mm-hmm. coolers. Yep. They had enough money to restart shipping. Uh, and they hoped they'd be done by October of 2015. Uh, how'd that turn out? Uh, it didn't. Yeah, there's – so – I mean, there are still lots of people waiting for their coolers. I'll, I'll give a kind of figure in a second. But uh, they began to sell the model of the cooler that was covered by the Kickstarter campaign for $485 on their site, which Aye. if you look at the if you look at the initial projected retail price of $299, I'm pretty sure $485 is more than that. Yeah. I'm an English that's, major, but that's know. a lot for a cooler. Yeah, just shy of 500 bucks. But uh, it, it also shows that this cooler and all the parts that were necessary in order to put it together and to have it do all the things it was supposed to do, that it was way more expensive to produce than what he mm-hmm. had anticipated. And yeah. it's about, again, we'll get into lessons at the end of the episode. But one thing this immediately tells you is that. Whenever you are thinking about really any business endeavor, but particularly if you're making something physical, 
you should grossly overestimate how much it's going to cost you to make it because it'll prepare you better to in, when you encounter those problems yeah. to to manage them. Well, and then if you do have if you do have a surplus at the end of it, if everything goes as you expected and not as you planned for, then you can either give it back to your supporters or you can invest it in your company to be more successful. Mm -hmm. um, make sure you talk to other people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Instead of just like your own research is good, but also talk to industry experts. But, you know, I'd have to imagine that there were there was fallout beyond just angry consumers from all of this failure to deliver product. Oh, yeah. Uh, you had you even had people who were ordering it and uh, and you know they're actually purchasing it online and getting it ahead of time who were reviewing it and saying the cooler's fine like it's there's nothing wrong with it but it might not be cool enough to justify the cost so again that ends up hurting sales which makes it even take even longer to to make good on these these kickstarter backers so it, it's a domino effect, right? Or a ripple effect, if you prefer. Yeah. It's a ripple effect. If something goes wrong, it ripples out and it affects. And ultimately, the people that it is affecting the most, at least in the eyes of the backers, are the backers. Yeah, um, which led to some legal troubles. But we're going to tell you about that right after this break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? 
Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so when we started talking about Grepper and his ideas, we mentioned that he uh, is from Portland, Oregon. That's where he was operating out of. And uh, Oregon has been the home not just of Grepper, but of some of Grepper's biggest woes. Yes. Uh, He got a whole bunch of consumer complaints to the Oregon Department of Justice. Yeah, 315 incidents of complaints were were filed with that DOJ in Oregon. Yeah, because if you've got an issue with a company, you've got to file it where that company is. Yeah. So from people outside of Oregon complaining to Oregon. Uh, and the complaint stated that Coolest Cooler was being negligent in delivering their product. Mm-hmm. So that was enough to uh, to inspire the DOJ in Oregon to launch an investigation in 2016. So uh, Kickstarter, by the way, their policy states that any successful campaign is supposed to either deliver the awards to backers that were promised or offer refunds to backers. And so uh, part of the problem here was that Coolest Cooler, at least according to these complaints, was refusing to refund money to backers who were discontented. I mean, they didn't have it. Yeah. But the the problem with that is Kickstarter's own policy is that if you successfully fund your project, you either have to make good on these rewards or offer up the refund Mm -hmm. to your backers. So it, it's what gave a foothold for the DOJ to really kind yeah. of look into what was going on. Yeah. Now, in 2016, um, Coolest Cooler did try to appease people again. They added a tracking tool to their website for backers to track where the progress of their delivery was. Yeah, like it hasn't even been made yet. Yeah. Uh, you could see your place in line, basically. But then they also weren't going in chronological order of who backed and shipping these things. They were going by address, which makes sense from a bulk shipping standpoint. Yeah, but not great if you happen to be – like if you had prided yourself on being one of the first – like let's say that you were one of those first 70. Like you were yeah. an early bird backer. But because of your address, you were not at the top of that list. You might think, what the heck? I'm the reason – I'm part of the reason why this campaign was so successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, they also tried to put on that – tool on their website where all of the money raised had gone to give some transparency to people. I'm, I'm guessing that didn't really help much um, because there were employees of Coolest Cooler that were getting doxxed and Ryan's family even got some threats from some angry consumers. Yeah. Yeah. People, man, when they don't get what they expect, they can turn real ugly real fast. And I mean, I get the frustration. Uh, trust me, I get the frustration yeah. <laughs> of backing a campaign and not getting what 
you were promised when the campaign uh, funds. Uh, I also, in at least one of those instances, did not get a refund, nor did I get my reward. Uh, the, the I cannot have any recourse for that because the company that was supposed to make the thing I backed no longer exists. So there's no one for me to get money from at yeah. this point. I, it's you just. It's the risk of investment. Yeah, you got to know going in. That's again, you have to remember it's not a store. Yeah. Right. So, but. There are people who they have that expectation and they're like, well, I bought this product and you won't give it to me. So therefore, I it's fair game. I'm allowed to do whatever I want to strike out at you because you have taken my money. Which, you know, so these people who filed with the Oregon Department of Justice took a much saner route. Yeah, a more responsible and less like psycho uh, – <laughs> unsympathetic approach. Yeah, yeah. So how did that turn out? Um, well, you know, it, it, it at least turned out well for some of the backers. The Oregon Department of Justice did find that Coolest Cooler was, uh, or at least was approaching the point of saying that Coolest Cooler was negligent, but Grepper was able to settle the case. Uh, but the settlement, of course, came with some pretty strong... Uh, agreements that he had to abide by. One of those was that uh, he was going to have to ship coolest coolers to Oregonians who had backed the campaign. That included 873 backers Mm -hmm. in the state of Oregon. Uh, He also agreed that if backers in general did not receive their coolers by the middle of 2020, so we still have some time to go. Yeah, yeah. Although, like, uh, while we're researching this episode, there are people actively posting on the Coolest Cooler Kickstarter page. I haven't gotten my cooler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there's thousands of them. Yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert. But that uh, anyway, if he does not get the coolers to the backers by mid-2020, for every backer who has not received his or her cooler, they will receive $20 from Grepper. And no matter if the company goes into bankruptcy or if it's still solvent, he will owe that money. If the company goes into bankruptcy, it will not protect him from that that uh, obligation. He will still yeah. have to pay the twenty bucks per person. Well, and I'm I know people were not happy about this. I mean, obviously they hope to get their cooler. Some of them don't even anymore. Like, I don't care about this cooler anymore. And yeah. twenty dollars is is a small amount of their investment back, but it's something. Well, and you know the idea would be that assuming the company was still solvent. That even with the twenty dollars being sent, it would st- the cooler would still be on its way at yeah. some point. Yeah. Um, so it's not like here's twenty dollars now you don't get your cooler. Yeah. Uh, assuming that the company is still around, of course. If it were bankrupt, then it's just coming out of Grepper's personal funds. I assume. After this settlement, uh, Grepper actually wrote a letter to people and he put it on the Kickstarter as an update to all the backers, and he explained their plan and he explained. Their strategies for going forward to get yep. this done, things like going international and things like that, uh, more investors and stuff. But he was really salty about it. He's like, I feel vindicated that this is how the Oregon Department of Justice ruled, that we aren't shysters. We generally want to get you your product. Yeah, but we just— We can't, we, and you're hurting our progress. Right, right. Yeah, like, like the you know, we're trying to, to do good on the agreement we had, but the more you guys put up a fuss, the harder it is for us to do that. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, like you've promised a toddler 
that you're going to go to the water park in the afternoon, but it's still in the morning and you need to do some errands and the toddler starts having a meltdown. You're like, you know, I want to go to the water park. Says, yes, we're going to the water park, but first we have to run errands. But I want to go to the water park. I mean, mind you, if I had been promised to go to the water park in 2014 – and I hit 2016. It's a very long afternoon, Ariel. <laughs> very long afternoon. When you're a toddler, time stretches before you like an infinity. Yeah, that's true. Anyhow, uh, in 2017, there was actually a petition filed on change.org to get them to stop selling their coolers until the backers got theirs again. Which makes no sense. It's it's hurting the process to get you your cooler. Yeah, that is kind of crazy. Like the idea that, hey, stop stop doing this thing you're doing that is helping fund actually getting coolers yeah. to backers and get coolers to backers without any funds. That's not the way the world works. No, no. But Grepper, you know, obviously didn't listen to that. The the petition didn't it cause didn't that to happen. Any, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a petition. It's a petition. It doesn't, um, doesn't have any holding value over anything other than letting you know there's a lot of people who are ticked off enough to fill out a form. Yeah. So in addition to trying to boost international sales, get more investors, reduce production costs, all of which are great ideas, although hard to get investors when you've got a bad reputation. Yeah. Um, Grepper started innovating more to try to get more money. So he made peripherals like batteries and solar panels and charging cords for the coolers. He made a soft-sided cooler, which is expensive for a soft-sided cooler, but apparently is like super magnetic. It's and also less expensive than the full coolest yes. cooler is. Yes, and it has like a universal attachment thingy so you can put it on your bike or your backpack. Or but the whole idea not. was that he could use profits from that or revenue from the sales of those products to help, again, make good on these backers. I, I have a yeah. feeling that that should the day come when Grepper is able to send off that final backer cooler – it will be an enormous weight off his shoulders. Yeah. So, Jonathan, how many people would you suppose don't have their coolers yet? Well, it's tough to say because uh, there's not really an ongoing tally that I could find anywhere. But in 2018, late 2018, there was an article that stated as many as 20,000 people were still waiting for their coolers. Golly. Yeah, so that's a lot of people. So it's about a third – of the backers who who pledged at a level that was enough to get a cooler in the first place. Mm-hmm. So two-thirds got their coolers. A third is, are still waiting. Um, so that's tough. And there was uh, an article. In, so the Oregonian was the newspaper that published the report that said 20,000 people were still waiting. Mm-hmm. A few months later, they published a second article that stated that during the most recent quarter, uh, according to – a, a statement from Coolest Cooler, the company had shipped precisely zero coolers to backers in that most recent quarter, meaning oh. that they they weren't able to do any in that three-month period. So uh, obviously every month that goes by is bringing them closer to that mid-2020 deadline mm-hmm. uh, that they need to make. And um, there have been a lot of other things that have happened over the last couple of years that have added complications. For example – you probably are familiar that there have been some issues about tariffs and China as as the United States of America has enacted certain policies that have uh, instituted these tariffs. That in turn ends up impacting the supply chain and yeah. manufacturing plan for the coolest coolers. So, Which that 100 percent is not Grepper's fault. <laughs> no, there's nothing he can do about it other than like he, he – 
trying desperately to find a way to still stay within budget and be able to continue production. It's not like it halts production, but it makes production more expensive. Mm -hmm. And since that was the problem in the first place, in addition to the timing issues with things like the strike, uh, that does not make his life any easier. Yeah. um, Again, I really think the lesson here is give yourself buffer. Mm -hmm. Give yourself a leg up. Yeah. Overestimate, like you said. How much it's going to cost. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to people. Give yourself a longer deadline, too. Mm -hmm. You know, if backers know that going in, they might be okay with that. Yeah. It's it's when you start changing things and people had – it's when you've set certain expectations and then you have to change those expectations. Mm -hmm. That's always a problem. And I've seen it on multiple Kickstarter campaigns and it almost always happens with stuff that's related to producing something physical. And it doesn't have to be complicated either. I've backed Kickstarter campaigns that were producing things like a deck of cards. Mm -hmm. But then there are printer issues. Uh, There are quality control issues, and these things slow everything down and they increase the costs because you have to pay for another production run. Yeah. Uh, Because if it's not going to meet the the expectations of your backers, then you're going to have problems. Like you you either ship nothing and you tell your backers, we're sorry, but the quality was not up to our standards, so we're going to go back and try it again. Or you end up shipping something that is of substandard quality and your backers get upset anyway because they're like, well, I backed this. That was a waste of money and a really long wait. And also, you know, the lesson for you, uh, you know, uh, you've listened to this episode, so you know, but realize that you're making an investment. It's almost like loaning money to your family or friends where you shouldn't, you're hoping to get something back, but you may not. Yeah, you need to, you need to ask yourself, like, can I make this pledge? If this campaign is successful, is it okay if this money never comes back to me? Yeah. Like, if I if I make this pledge and what for whatever reason, the the actual endeavor fails despite the campaign being successful, am I okay with taking a loss of this? If I'm not, then maybe I should just wait until it's for public consumers. Yeah, exactly. So in this case, with coolest cooler, if you saw it and you thought. Wow, that sounds really awesome, and I would love to have one of these, and it would be nice to get it for a a, a discounted price, but I'm also aware of the potential pitfalls that can be in the way of production. Then you might think, well, is it it worth potentially saving $115 off the projected retail price, or – is it better for me to wait because it could be that instead of saving $115, I'm throwing away $185? Yeah, because I mean, poli- policies are great. But the truth of the matter is no matter how well-intentioned the inventor or the the founder of the Kickstarter, if they end up going bankrupt due to misfortune, not even mm-hmm. poor planning, but just misfortune and end up living under a bridge, you they can't refund you. It's, yeah. it's just the way it is. Um uh, it's it's also interesting to point out that crowdfunding has largely changed over the last couple of years where we're seeing more and more established companies using crowdfunding. And they're not using it to raise the money needed to make whatever the thing is. Often the thing is already made. Mm-hmm. They're using it to kind of judge the reception of whatever that thing is yeah. so that they know how much – of it to make or whether or not it's going to be a successful product. And so it's it's changing where it was kind of aimed at the individual creator 
originally. Like this was an idea like you have an idea for something. You launch this crowdfunding campaign to get the money you need to to actually bring that something into reality. And then you ship off or you start selling or whatever. Now it's companies are using it almost as a marketing tool. Yeah. And so it's it's dramatically changed how crowdfunding is working in the uh, like I said in the last couple of years. But we still have these issues. And uh, and there are no shortage of crowdfunding campaigns that do come across as kind of scammy. Mm-hmm. So that's also good. Although, to be fair, both Kickstarter and Indiegogo and others have gotten a lot better at weeding those out. Although Indiegogo, you can get your funding amount even if you don't match it. Correct? Yeah, if you don't – if you set uh, – you can. You can choose if you set – uh, let's say you set a $10,000 goal, but you only raise $5,000 and it's on Indiegogo. You can choose to accept any amount raised, even if you haven't met your goal, but it's with a heftier fee taken out for mm-hmm. Indiegogo. They take a much larger percentage of the money. So you get you get even less. So if you ask for $10,000 and you end up getting $5,000, you might only end up with $4,000. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things that uh, it's kind of a slippery slope issue. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of fun facts, and I just read them, and now I'm angry. I'm sorry, Jonathan. The first is Ryan Grepper has backed his own Kickstarters. Uh, he backed the potato salad Kickstarter. That's the one that gets me mad. It is, because Jonathan had a Kickstarter around the same time, and his didn't get funded, but this darn potato salad Kickstarter. It was a joke. The potato salad was a joke, and then yeah. it, 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 it got – it got Ridiculous. not just backing. It was, again, like a crazy viral success for a, a, a joke potato salad. I mean – The guy all, did take all the funds and make a major party out of it. All, all props. All props to that guy and and his joke and the fact that it brought joy to people. But uh, I am – I am unapologetically envious yeah. because I had a project uh, – it was near and dear to both of our hearts. It was. That I was really hoping I could get funded and it uh, it also managed to buck another trend. It, it funded about halfway to where it needed to be, but it was on Kickstarter. It was make mm-hmm. or break. And uh, the reason why I say it broke some trends is that generally speaking on Kickstarter, if you reach a certain level, a certain percentage – uh, of funding, and I want to say it's somewhere around 40%, that 98% of campaigns that hit their 40% goal during the campaign will all, will get all the way to funding by the end. Mine was not one of those. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really sad about that too. So we'll move on to our last fact and then we'll yeah. wrap things up. Yes. Uh, the original version of the Coolest Cooler had an attached grill. Yeah, which turns out probably not the best idea no. for a product that's mostly made out of plastic. It, it was nixed for safety reasons. Yeah, you so. can't imagine a grill working too well. I mean, you could maybe have like a a standalone little stand and grill that you could put over a fire pit or something, but even then you'd have to have it cool down enough to be able to put it against a plastic cooler. Yeah. Um yeah. so that wraps up our discussion about Coolest Cooler, but before we go and wrap everything up for the episode, we also wanted to give an update about a previous topic that we've covered. We did an episode about Toys R Us, and we talked about how at the end of that episode, we talked about how uh, the, there was an effort to kind of bring these sort of pop-up stores to life. And inside of like Targets and things like that. And that uh, the, the Toys R Us name might not be totally gone. And now we've gotten word. Thanks, Mom, for the heads up. As of the recording of this podcast, which is on June 21st, 2019, 
that there is a a sincere effort to bring back uh, a larger version of Toys R Us, although not at the full size of the older toy stores. Yeah, there'll be about the third of the size of the old toy stores with more experience points, play areas and things like that. And also they're looking at bringing back their e-commerce site. They're hoping to be back by the holiday season of 2019. So we'll have to see if that happens. Yeah, and if it does, we'll do another update where we'll talk about you – know, maybe we'll have to do an episode at some point. That where is it's just like, all updates. Yeah, it's all follow-ups on, I, on I brands think, we've talked about. I was about. thinking the same thing. Like Clearly Canadian would be another one. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks for the shout-out, Clearly yeah. Canadian. We greatly appreciate it. You guys are it. awesome. I, I, I still haven't received any crates of – drinks or anything. Y'all don't listen to him. I totally gave him a Blackberry, clearly Canadian. That's not a crate. That was one drink. <laughs> and it was from you, not from clearly Canadian. Not that we do this to get stuff no, from companies. We're no. just joking. We don't expect nor do we deserve anything from anybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Business on the Brink that came out back in 2019. Yeah, that show is no longer in production. You can still find all the episodes online. So if you want to take a quick look and see if there are any topics that interest you, we did have a habit of getting a little playful with the titles. So you might have to look at the descriptions to see what the actual episode is about. I apologize for that. We just made our own fun. But yeah, take a listen to those episodes. Let me know if there are any that you would like me to do a tech stuff episode on because we were mostly focused on the business side, not as much on the tech side. If you want me to cover some of these, let me know. And you can do that by using the iHeartRadio app. You can navigate to the Tech Stuff podcast and you can use the little microphone icon to leave me a voice message that can be up to 30 seconds. You can also let me know whether or not you would like me to use the audio in an episode. I won't unless you tell me. Or if you prefer, you can reach out to me on Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.